One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Wow! Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. And when I started running, I suppose I didn't stop. And when I got the chance to go, I said I'd stay going. So it opened up. We were only the small little fish out there, so we are, and uh, we're trying hard to make it through. But it's hard to get the breaks when you're the smaller fish. Because I love this county so much, you know. And it's just I'm delighted that the lads, the lads did it for the people of Waterford today because, like, I, I'm heartbroken. So Kilkenny are the Leinster champions. Um, the famine is over. Uh, first time since 2015. Brian Cody's 16th Leinster title. Owen Larkin, uh, welcome to the show. How does a man in Kilkenny starved of Leinster's success in the middle of a lockdown? How do you go about celebrating a Leinster title? The same way as you normally would. Be, um, <laughs> a cup of tea. A cup of, a cup of tea and a few biscuits. <laughs> and maybe, a can, maybe a can at nine o'clock before you go to bed. That would be, um, you're, never, you're never into celebrating Leinster. I know, we always celebrate. Make no mistake about that. We always celebrate. I suppose every victory we used to celebrate um, with, with a couple of pints and maybe a couple of pints the following day. But things were different back then. There wasn't you know, only two weeks to a game. We always probably had three or four weeks. So um, it'll be a bit different for the lads. And But I'm sure they're delighted. And I'm sure Brian is delighted that some of the younger lads, I suppose, got to taste a bit of success because... Um, you know that's what drives you on that bit more. You want more and more of it. Uh, when you when you taste the small bit, you want more and more of it. And he'd be hoping that you know that's that's only the start of it now for the year. It just seems, Damien, so unusual to think about some Kilkenny players needing a Leinster title, considering you know the dominance in Leinster. Like it was what Dublin are doing in the football now. That's what Kilkenny had in the hurling. It's just it's a weird one psychologically to think that it, like some of those players kind of needed a Leinster title. Yeah, well, it was a lot of a lot of them won their first uh, Leinster title, so they did the last day, so they did so. And uh, if I was to be honest, I'd say that Galway threw it away. I couldn't actually believe it. Uh, watched watched it uh, at home, so I did with with the family, so I did, and uh, I thought we were cruising, so we were with up five points. And next thing, Brian brought on a couple of subs, so I did. And I, I'd be honest, I'd have to say that I think Galway threw it away, but I I think 
Brian Cody was in a state of shock after the match, my own opinion, that they won that game. I'd say he's actually saying to himself, how did they win it? So they did, but they have this never-say-die attitude. Uh, that's the ethos of the whole Kilkenny setup. So they didn't. A fair play to them, they won it, but it's another, it's another final that Galway are after blowing, and it's an issue with Galway hurling, so it is that we're not winning finals that we should be winning the amount of training and effort has been going in. But uh, well done to Kilkenny. Fair play to them. They won another Leinster Championship. But this is definitely one that Galway should have won. It it's nearly comes down to the Kilkenny mentality on. Are you looking at that game? Like when it's 20 points to 15 and like even Cody said it looked like the game was slipping away. And I, I, I thought the game was gone from Kilkenny at that stage. Are you thinking still at that stage, geez, we'll get a goal or two and we're, it's not gone at all? Yeah, well, I suppose your natural thought is it's kind of drifting away from you. And I had that thought myself, to be honest. And I, I knew looking at it, we weren't hurling that well. But still, there was only five points in it. And, you know, a goal can change a game. And, you know, you're always thinking then, with I suppose, when you have TJ Reid and Richie Hogan comes on, and maybe Colin Fenley is still around there, you're always thinking, you know, all we need is one chance and, and we get a goal or, or, you know, we get a couple of points to bring us back into it. But, um, you know, the natural reaction for you is to think that the game has gone from you, especially when you're not hurling the way you yeah, know the lads yeah. can, and uh, you're looking on and, and Galway are kind of dominating in all aspects of the game. But still, you know, a goal is a big is a big score in a in a hurling game, and when when you have the likes of those lads around, you're always capable of getting one, and ultimately that's what proved to be. You know, Richie Hogan came on and got an unbelievable goal, and then TJ, who was quite for most of the game. Got a brilliant goal as well, and but still, Galway went ahead after that again. So, um, you know, you couldn't say that the goals kind of done it, but it certainly gave the lads the lift um, that they needed, and were able to drive on then. Yeah, we have to talk about Richie's Hogan's goal, uh, Damien. Did you ever see? I, I have to admit, I never saw a goal kind of like mm. that before. The ingenuity of it to flick it past the goalie and never get it back in his hand. No one. He's just flicked it past the goalie, and the goal is the goal is completely empty. All these things rushing through his head at the same time, and just kind of I don't know what you how you describe kind of spooned it back back into the into the goals. Yeah, well, see, the t- as I've always explained to you, Wooly, about um, I would think that Richie Hogan does the world of wall ball and and ball alley sessions. So his, his first touch and his striking is absolutely impeccable. And the most annoying part of that whole goal for me was Aina Murphy come out to the ball. And he kind of cowardly out of the challenge, which is all to break through. But both teams were playing a sweeper, so they were, right? And um, Galway's sweeper was uh, Parig Mannion, which when, when Richie came on, that's when we really needed Parig Mannion to, to drop back a notch to help out, right? But when the ball broke, Richie got onto it. And it was just instant striker's reaction was that he knew if he maybe tried to catch in his hand and turn, he might get hooked. Or the ball get flicked away. So he chanced his arm, as the man says, with the little flick over the, the shoulder. And Joseph Cooney nearly got to it. But I was just a top-class goal, lads. Even being a Galway supporter and an ex-Galway hurler, you have to just stand up and admire uh, admire that stuff. And then TJ then got the next ball and he turned Joseph Cooney and he put it in the roof of the net. And Kilkenny were starting to cruise at that stage. Kilkenny actually missed four goals. They could have got four goals in the second half of that game, but Richie Hogan made some difference and he was a completely different player to go in on top of Dahi Burke in compa- comparison to uh, Colin Finley, you know, but his, t- his first touch is, is, is top-notch. And to be honest, I, I won't lie to you. I was, I was in a roundabout way I was kind of delighted from because what happened to him in last year's All-Ireland, I, I thought he yeah. shouldn't have been sent off. I thought I was wrong. So, I was, so in a roundabout way, I was, I was delighted from that he did get that uh, lovely goal. 
No, I was delighted for him as well. I was more delighted for him when you saw him at the at the trophy presentation. He had a smile on his face, and I'm sure Owen, all those things were going through his head. That's a nice way to you know to to make up for that mistake last year. Absolutely, yeah, because a lot of lads thought that last year's All Ireland might have been the last we see him. Um, you know, with all the injury problems he's after having over the last number of years, but certainly like he's he's a he's a really nice fella and. You know, we we all know what the hurling quality he has, but he's he's a real nice fella as well. And you know, you don't like to see that type of thing happening, and especially in an All Ireland final. And like Damien said, I thought it was, you know, it was harsh enough in an All Ireland final. Like there have there has been there has been worse kind of tackles and incidents in All Ireland finals that have been. Well, now on you, on you do know it's only Kilkenny pundits that think that was harsh. Every other uh, pundit unanimously agreed that it was setting <laughs> up. No, yeah, they unanimously agreed that, you know, acting up around the acting up around the kind of head is a red car. But like, you know, I think all hurt people agreed that it was a it was kind of harsh and all Ireland final. He didn't he went to shoulder him and you know, the elbow clipped him, but what, what did you make of the Hugh Lawler uh, pulling the hurl um on? Because this was an unbelievable catch by Niall Burke and you know, it was a cynical pull of the hurl. Now, some people were saying Niall Burke should have let the hurl go, is what I thought, and and kicked it into the net and kind of put manners on Hugh Lawler that way. But there's no doubt it was very, very cynical. And Galway got nothing out of that, only a point. Yeah, it was great defending, Oli. <laughs> no, look, it's a problem. It, it is a problem in hurling. And, but, like, it's a defender's instinct. Your, your first instinct is to defend the goal. And, you know, it was a great catch by Niall Burke. And, and really, Galway should have got... He should have let go of the hurl and tried to kick it into the net, but like that's that's attacker's instinct. He should have done that. Like as a defender, you're taught protect your goal at all costs, and Hugh Lawler wasn't letting go of that hurl, and rightly so. And I, and I think you know it's it's hard to it's hard to know whether a black card or you know something like that or a sin bin or something would get rid of it out of the game. I don't think it would because you take ten minutes in a sin bin not to give away a goal, um, and you know. The black card, I think, is ruling football at the moment, and we definitely don't want to see that in her. What, what would you think? What would you think, Damien? If you say, right, forget about black card, forget about Sinbin, That if you if you if if you do something like that and prevent a goal scoring opportunity, it's a penalty. Yeah, yeah, I, 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 I agree with you there, Woolly, in a sense. Um, but I would agree with Owen as well there that I don't think um it's going to change the game in defenders. It's near like rule number one is don't concede goals or don't concede soft goals. Nile. Niall Burke caught the ball. Uh, he was he was going towards the goal. Uh, Lawler had his hel- hel- hurl held. He should have just let go of the hurl, stayed going forward. And he had a man inside him, Niall, that he could have offloaded with the hand pass. It was an opportunity for a goal. So we should have got more out of it. But um, I, I can, I, it's, it can be very frustrating for a forward that maybe you can turn your man and then the defender just pulls you down and next thing not much happens to him. And I often find that in the opposite if a corner forward did that to a corner back, he gets a yellow card very, very quick. So you can, but um, I think Niall should have did better. I, I won't like to. And I think Niall should have just let go of your man's hurl. Maybe took his six or seven, eight steps. He probably would have got away with it and kicked it or even let it off inside it. was. Um, but it's interesting. That was the only high ball, I think, that went into Niall Burke in the whole game. And like he, that's his strong feature, the aerial. And Galway were were consistent with this short passing like this but uh, it can get a nine but we should have got more of it I think I think he should have dropped the hurl I agree with with um, Owen Larkin 
Right. What did, did you think anything of Kilkenny not using the dressing room zone? Like, I mean, I know they won the game, but I thought it was very unusual in Croke Park because obviously you've got the Hogan stand dressing room and yeah. the Cusick stand dressing rooms. You're completely separated and you would have thought, you know, you couldn't get a safer environment rather than stand out in the Hogan stand. I was thinking, geez, Kilkenny might start this game slow because they'll be freezing. Yeah, it's, it's certainly, um, it was an odd one, all right, but I think... You know, Brain doesn't want to take any risks, or the management team doesn't want to take any risks as regards getting a, you know, a confirmed case or a close contact or anything like that. Because as yeah. we've seen over the last number of weeks, even a close contact now, even if you are testing negative, you can't you can't take any chance, and you're gone for ten days. So, and I think if I'm not mistaken, Paddy Deegan uh, might have been a close contact as well to someone, and that's why he missed out uh, during oh. the last weekend. So. Um, he, he just didn't want to take any chances but like Kikenny, I I'm not so sure they started that slow but they just never seemed to get into their into their stride and you know that was full credit to Galway I thought Galway were the better team overall and you know you're sitting back after the game and wondering how did you win it but obviously delighted to win it yeah, we'll talk about we'll talk about the match a bit more um, in part two because Limerick won back to back monsters for the first time since 1980, and John Kiley was given out after the game, Damien. He was saying that we've ten players at home, which in my view is completely and utter, un- utterly unacceptable, given that I have twenty reporters standing in front of me and I have ten of my panel at home. I'm quite offended by that situation we've been put in. I can see where he comes is coming from, Damien. Obviously, this isn't a GEA issue; it's it's government. Uh, guidelines. It probably only is very, very obvious for a final, you know. Whereas it wouldn't be. It's not as cruel for a, you know a semi-final, a quarter-final. You imagine for an All-Ireland final, surely we'll be at the point where the whole panel is allowed go and watch the match. Yeah, would would you believe this? Used this happened as well with Portumna years ago when we were in a club All Ireland final. So we're and you're only an old name. Uh, we'll just say, for example, twenty-seven players. Like this, and this was just on the program. It was a club thing, and uh, seven players didn't get to get their name mentioned on the Crow Park official St. Patrick's Day program, which we used to always be very sensitive about, and we thought it was terribly unfair because you were all the one, you know. So I can see exactly what John Kiley is saying. He's probably going in every week, sit talk about the panel, the strength of the panel, the 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 importance of the number one as as number thirty five. And I, I, I couldn't back him enough and agree with him enough. I think it's wrong. Even if these players, are, if it's just, say, for example, if they were on a bus and they couldn't go, at least they should be allowed to drive and put them up into different corners of the stadium. Like, the stadium is absolutely massive, lads. So I just think it's wrong. It's, it's just demoralising for a player that's given as much effort as their star player. So it is, and uh, I just, I just think it's, it's terrible, and I feel sorry for any player that happens because everyone has a family that are, are mad into the J. So it's, I, I couldn't agree more with John Kylie, and I think it's wrong, and I think it should be addressed, and then players should be allowed to go to the match, even if they're not togged, but they should be there, they're a part of the setup. Yeah, but you'd imagine on going to training on Tuesday night, um, and you're part of the panel, you're playing the 30, fifteen versus fifteen matches. And you haven't been there on match day, and then you're landing to training on the Tuesday night. You'd feel like a real imposter, wouldn't you? Yeah, well, that's it. That's exactly it. You know, you, you hit the nail on the head there. They're going to be together at training. You know, there's thirty or thirty-five together at training uh, on a Tuesday and Thursday or whenever they train. And like you said, they can't go to the match now because there's only so many allowed in. And John Kelly is totally right. You know, he said he said this couple will be presented on Tuesday. Are we? Uh, get together with with the whole panel, and as Damien said, 
he, I, I can guarantee that's what that's the words he's using. You know, everybody on the panel is is worth you know as is as, as important as number one, and um, and that's what makes a good panel is that everybody thinks to have a shout, and everybody is part of that unique setup. And you know, mm-hmm. I think when the government decided that elite sport could go ahead and the intercounty season could go ahead, they should have made some. Uh, some sort of package available for intercounty teams because there's no intercounty panels that have only 24 or 25 players on the on the panel mm-hmm. anymore. It's a, it's about 35 now because they always want 15 and 15, and you know you always have a couple of injuries, sickness, and things like that. So I think you know the GA really should be putting the case forward to the government, um, especially when all our semi-finals and finals are coming up. It's, yeah. just, it, it's not right in my opinion, and it needs to be addressed. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree. I couldn't agree more. Is there an issue with hand passing in the game, Damien? Because we saw William O'Donoghue caught for throwing when it was a very clear hand pass. John Kiley went absolutely ballistic, and the referee was maybe twenty meters away, and William O'Donoghue had his back to him. So I don't know how he called that. And then you had Richie Hogan pass to to Mossy Keown, which looked very like a throw, and he got away with that. Like I mean. I don't know. Are players pushing this to the very limit where they're making it very hard on referees and now referees are overly suspicious of them or, you know, are, are referees just turning... Some referees maybe being less lenient on them. Yeah, I, as you just said, some referees are being less lenient. My own opinion is, on it, Colm, is that I don't think any inter-county hurler uh, throws a ball, right? It's, once the ball leaves your hand, even the slightest milliliter, right, that's... That's a hand pass, right? And I, as I said to you, I've seen it. So I did the last day with Limerick versus uh, Limerick versus uh, Tip. Do you know, uh, Limerick got pulled for a goal so on a hand pass, but then uh, Nolan McGrath threw a ball into John McGrath. I just yeah. don't think that anybody is throwing the ball. That's my own opinion. They are hand passing it. The referee is looking for what he calls daylight. If you do a daylight hand pass, which you throw it up and you do a daylight hand pass, you have, the, you have every there's every possibility that it's going to get intercepted or you're going to get chopped down. And, and the speed of hurling is going so fast and lads are running off the shoulder at pace that the hand pass. So my own opinion is I don't think it's an issue, the hand passing. I think referees are blowing it out of proportion. So I do. And I think that the hand passes are being done is hand passes, only that has been done so fast and lads are running at such pace. And I wouldn't pull a hand pass in inter-county hurling. My own opinion is that all they're doing is that, uh, basically highlighting stuff that doesn't need to be highlighted and bringing attention onto themselves, the referee. So my own opinion is that, no, there's not an issue. And I think they're all correct hand passes. So they are, and they should just let the game flow. Right, let it go on. Is there, is there much of a skill in it? Like, would it be that big of a deal in hurling if the underhanded pass, you know, if referees just kind of stopped well, the, blowing? The long, the long and short for this column, if you want to get a big, long hand pass, and when I say a long hand pass, to get that 20, 25 yard lock, yes, then you need to let the ball re- release out of your hand and get a good, what we call, good strike into the ball, right? Yeah. But if it's a short, fast, snappy hand pass, which a player is running off your shoulder, then all you need to do is a little quick, little little nip of a hand pass for your man to run onto it. So there are two different type of hand passes. And Owen, Owen will elaborate a little bit more, right? Because he was a great man to give hand passes as well in his game, right? But... If you want to do a big long one, the ball must leave your hand and you must hit it at an unbelievable impact if you want to do a long hand pass. But the short one has to be short and nippy. And as I said, I think the referees are drawing a lot of attention onto themselves. I don't personally think that there are any of these balls have been thrown, that it's just at such pace. 
What do you think, Owen? Is it the end of the world if it's not a clear strike in motion for a little short one? No, I don't think so. And I think when referees clamp down, but I think, Willie, this is not referees. I think this is a directive from Crow Park that came down from Crow Park to, to say that there had to be a clear strike in action. And we've seen uh, over, the, over the course of the summer, last summer, I think it was, that referees were blowing most hand passes. Um, and it was ruining the spectacle of the game because it was just stop-start. Every hand pass was nearly considered a throw. And I think Damien is right. I don't think there is many throws. There might be an odd one in a game, but I think the, the strike in action now is so fast that referees deem it to be a throw. And I think GA needs to look at that. They're making a mountain of a mohill here and they need to just get rid of that altogether because you know there's plenty more things that the referee has to has to look out for during a game without having to look out for that and making an agent out himself if he makes a wrong call. Um, yeah, they're being too hard on referees. Like as I said, there's more things going on in the hurling game than referee than one referee. And column and column. The other thing as well, when the when the lads knurking all these boys are training and Sean Tracy and the boys are training the lads, they're training these boys with drills at such pace that this is where they're developing the quick hand pass. You, you know, it's coming yeah. from, the, from the training ground and the training drills that, that have the quick hand pass, good, short, snappy, fast and everything. So that's where it's coming from. So I don't think any of these players are, are throwing at, at inter-county level. And it's maybe in junior, might, junior level might be a different in club level, but not in, at inter-county. Right. As Damien, right. As Damien says, Willie, the, the, the trainers, when they're demanding speed when they're, when they're training and all these drills that they're doing. They're demanding speed, so... If, they're, if they have a hand pass in a, dri- in a drill, they want it done at pace, and exa- that's exactly what's happening. Right, right, okay. Yeah, it's interesting because it is annoying when they're blown up, especially if they got it wrong like they did with uh, William O'Donoghue that time. Come here, Damien, what did you think of Patrick Horgan's goal? Like, I mean, Jesus Christ, he, everybody thought he was going to pass it off. And the minute the, re- the goalkeeper took, uh, Hogan took a, a step left, <clears throat> changed his mind in that very split second, Damien, because I'd imagine as he's running through, he's thinking and passing and passing and passing, and he's able to change his mind at that very mm. second that he saw that step. Like, I mean, incredible stuff. Well, it was gas. It was What happened was a big, massive uh, rook had uh, had come, right? And a big ma- and next thing, Breen got the ball, and he got and he threw back the hand pass, and he threw the hand pass back into Horgan's, Hand and I don't think some of the some of the tip players realised that Horgan actually had the ball and he went solo. But the interesting thing to to remember about this clip, uh, Woolly, is when Horgan starts soloing with the ball, he starts soloing at pace and the lads are running after him, right? But they, as you said, he changed his mind. But look at the corner that he put the ball into. He put the ball into the bottom left corner and the Cork goalkeeper, right, holds the boss of the hurl in the other corner. So for him to have saved that ball, he would have had to have brought the goalie hurl boss across his body into that nice. corner, which made it impossible for him. I don't know if I'm making sense. And he put, no, and he put it low to the corner with a small bounce. And uh, that was the real top-class finish on it. So he sold it at pace. He kind of dummied, to, and he jinxed a little bit to the left, but he put it into his bottom left corner where the Cork goalkeeper, he would have had to have Change across his boss of his goal or across his body to get, and that was a that was a top class finish because he was going at full pelt. So it was, so it was an actually a brilliant a brilliant piece of skill and a brilliant goal again. Jeez, it was one. I I did to be honest. I'm not obviously never played hurling, so that wouldn't have even crossed my mind. I just saw Gleeson taking a step. Would you would that cross your mind on when you're going in? What which which side the goalkeeper's holding the hurl? 
Well, it wouldn't cross your mind when you're going in. You'd, you'd obviously have a look at, at what goalkeeper you're going to be facing. And I was always told the same thing, even for penalties and all like that. You know, when a goalkeeper's standing up, look at what way he's holding the hurl and you're going the opposite side because it's going to take him maybe a, a millisecond to, to get the hurl across his body. But I think it was a fantastic goal. He was running out of gas. He was after running 65 yards. He was running out of gas. And if he had to miss it, I think there'd have been questions asked of why he, why he didn't pass it. But I think Niall O'Mara um, tracked him back and, and was gaining ground on him and very, very nearly got a hook. I'd say he'd be disappointed he didn't get the hook because that could have changed the game for, for Tipperary. You know, I thought Cork were very poor in the second half and that goal kept him in it in, in the first half and kept him in it for lots of the game. But it was an unreal finish. He's, he's a joy to watch Patrick Cargo when he's in, in full flow. He's just, his wrist action is brilliant. And, uh, yeah, like Damien said, you would be looking out for um, for the way the goalkeeper holds the hurl and, and definitely going to the to the other side. Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll give Cork a mention um, in performance of the weekend in part three. Um, another one was Davy Fitz' uh, comments after the game, Damien. He said the way it was abused today is not right and it should be dealt with. The abuse and the stuff that was thrown at me personally by one individual there today who was sent there to do it. This this is the interesting part. Is not right and has no place in hurling. Now, do you think? Who would it be? Who would be sending this individual to do it? Ah, oh, sure. I, Colm, I haven't a clue. Like, <laughs> like Davy, this is this is this is like, this is like juveniles. We are we are in national school. He said this, and I said that, and he done this to me, and I did that to him, and he like I I don't know like who like does. Sometimes I often say, is there anyone else that can back up this this story? Number one to see who it was. Um, but sure, if someone if someone was to have done it, I suppose it was the clear management. But like, I'd I'd like to get you'd like to get clarity on did anyone else hear uh, this going ahead? Like you know, but anyways, I'll talk about the I'll talk more about the clear uh, Cork game or clear um, Wexford game. I just thought clear were excellent. I thought the work rate was brilliant, and I thought uh, Wexford were extremely poor. And if you ask me, uh, Wexford look exhausted. They look burnt. They were far from impressive this year, and I think that's what we should be talking more about regarding their performance as, as opposed to what someone said about someone should. That probably happens in every sideline. Willie, Willie, that's a total deflection, I think, from Davy Fitz. Like, Wexford were so poor yeah. against Galway, and they were even worse against Clare the last day. And he didn't want to answer questions as to why Wexford were so poor. So this is a deflection from him that, I'm presuming right. he, I'm presuming himself and Brian Lowe don't get on, so I'm presuming he's aiming he's aiming the shotgun there at Brian Lowe sent someone into the stand to abuse him from start to finish. Total yeah. reflection in my in my opinion that you know his Wexford team didn't perform at all this year. Um, it, it, and, it, it, and really, if you look if you look if you look back over the last couple of years, has Davy really brought on Wexford in, the, in his three or four years there? I don't think there's many people could say he has. Right, well, he brought them on last year, I suppose. They won Leinster and did well against Tip. Uh, yeah, but ultimately, ultimately they, came, they came up short against Tip. They had the game won against Tip and fell asunder in the last 10 or 15 minutes. You know, they were, they were a man up and retreated into their shell and Tipperary came out and won the all Ireland. Yeah, yeah. Well, look, there, there, you could you could make that argument. The, the, the thing about this abuse is that I don't understand Damien. Is what's somebody abusing Davy going to make any difference to the match? Like, I mean, Davy's not playing the game. Like, I mean, it doesn't even seem like it makes sense if a management team wants to abuse Davy. How? What bit of difference is that going to make? Uh, well, basically, what it, it, the first of all, the thing is, if this happened, right, number one, and and right, but the whole thing is that to rile up 
Davy, right? Because he's easily riled up. That's number one. And to get inside his head. And basically, I would think that the whole meaning of it is that uh, if they could get inside his head, that maybe he would, his thinking would leave the game and his game plans and his uh, whatever, and that he would be getting involved in stuff that's outside of the game and he wouldn't be concentrating and wouldn't yeah. be concentrating enough on the game to see, we'll say, if stuff was going on, we'll say, where lads were being beaten in different positions or making changes. So he, that he would be he burning too much of his energy on what we call touchline or sideline stuff that's outside of his control. And that, that would be the reasoning for it. To, you know what? It's like if you have a lad on the sideline and he's mouthing at you and next thing you get involved in it and you say to yourself, I should have been the bigger person. I shouldn't have gone involved in it. But that's the only reason that I, I can see out of it. You know, but um, like Brian Lohan is a very well-respected person down here in uh, for, in Clare. Their trainer is Sean Tracy, which is my own club man. So he is. And the lads are like, I, I just don't know. Who, like, I'd nearly like to get a name of the person that was going on like this. That's once again, if this happened, but um, Wexford were extremely poor this year. Very, very poor. Yeah, no, they definitely were. They definitely were. We, we'll talk a bit about Tony Kelly in performance of the weekend. I always have a, a, a thing on this. Like Lee Chin couldn't start um, because he was injured. And I, my own opinion is, if you're good enough to come on, you should sometimes be good enough to start. That's just an old saying, but that is my opinion. If you're good enough to come on, you should be good enough to, to start. And he, he came on, and when he came on, even when I was watching it, he seemed to be he came on running fine. So, like, I don't know why he didn't throw him in from the start and try to get out of the blocks early, you know, as opposed to using him as a, an impact sub. So, like, he was a loss, but if you're good enough to come on, you should be good enough to start. Yeah, yeah but maybe they were 10 points down, uh, Damien, when, when he came on. The game was over. Yeah. yeah, the game was over. Maybe they thought they had bigger fish to fry and they get over it and Lee would be back all right um, for the next one. But they definitely didn't didn't work out like that. We're we'll finish up here, lads, in part one. Offaly out of the Christie Ring Cup. Like a terrible result for Offaly. Um, a huge win for Down on the on the other side of it. I don't know, like, I mean, geez, it hasn't gone that well on for Michael and, you know, in Offaly. They didn't make the Division Two League final. Now they're out of the Christie Ring Cup. And, like, I mean, it's a poison chalice altogether by the looks of things that that awfully job. It's hard to believe in 2018 they ran Kilkenny very close in the league quarterfinal in O'Connor Park. We do have thought Michael Fenley, a good name, good hurling brain, in with the experience of Johnny Kelly. Um, you know, I don't think the Offaly players can start blaming managers or blaming anything. There's a serious issue with that senior team. And, like, are Offaly better off just, like, they can't forget about the senior team, but they have a good minor team this year to beat a very good leash team. Uh, they hammered them, actually. Offaly need a minor All-Ireland. They need something to boost the confidence and, you know, have the county feeling like we're going in the right direction again. Yeah, they definitely do. And I think that's, isn't that the reason Michael Diamond took, took the job of... Uh, County Board Chairman, I think he wants to try and build from from the bottom up. Um, like they're in dire straits at the moment at Offaly. There's no getting away from it. Uh, it didn't help them, you know, the year we had and COVID and things like that and restrictions and all that kind of stuff. I'm sure Michael would have liked to get more time with the players and um, to get a few a few bit few more bits done. But like it's it's disappointing for him because, as you said, like he is he he was a great hurler and he has lots of knowledge to give and. Uh, things like that, but like it's going to be hard for them now going forward to pick these lads up and um, kind of move on with these lads. So I think Offaly Hurland needs they need some 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 silverware at some age at some grade, um, and they definitely need to start building from the bottom up again because the foundations in Offaly Hurland are just 
ran all time low and you know can beat by down. Um, I know it's a tough way to get beaten on penalties, but like it should never like going into that game. Offaly would would say they'd beat down no matter how bad they were. No disrespect down, but um, it was a terrible loss for them, and you know it's a terrible time for Offaly hurling. Yeah, there's no doubt. It's hard to it's hard to even figure out how much lower that they can they can slip. Uh, at this stage, Damien, we've seen them slip through Leinster, we've seen them slip through Joe McDonough, and now they can't get back out of Christy Ring. It's like, Jesus, like, is it, you know, like, where does this slide stop? Yeah, and it's hard to believe they're going to be playing Christy Ring again next year, so it is, but just just on the whole, um, you know, Michael Finley being manager and Johnny Kelly being trainer, you know, sometimes that it doesn't matter who's over you. Sometimes it's down to the quality of players that you're dealing with, and it's just off the air at an all-time low at the moment. They just are, and uh, it's a pity because when when I was growing up, I, I used to love watching the Pilkingtons and the Dooleys and the Whelans and all these lads who were household names, and they've just they've fallen back and they've fallen back, and uh, they, basically it's going to take a long time for them to really regroup again and um, start. But they need to start putting uh, I don't know coaches and everything in place just to get them back up. But um, the, the players have have only to look, only to look at themselves and. Um, they're in a very, very low place. Just being straight up, which is very low place, and it's it, it's going to be a while for them to get back up to what we call the top tier. But yeah. I, don't, I, I, I don't, I don't think the the hurlers are the, are the problem, Damien, in in Offaly because Offaly club hurling is kind of like it wouldn't be at the top of the charts, but it's, it's middle of the road kind of thing. Like the Offaly games up there, do be good games, and like so, I, I I do think that they have they have the hurlers, are they not just putting in the effort, or you know, is it? It's hard to it's hard to put your finger on it because I think the hurlers are there. Um, are they just not working hard enough? Are they not committed? You know, I, I'd love to get an inside track on it to see uh, maybe what Michael Dignan and maybe Michael Fenley think about it because I think the hurlers are there, and you know, I th- but I think there's some other issue there that's just cracking. I would I would disagree with you. I don't think the hurlers are an awfully, and I think like the leash have have passed awfully by. A long way now. I, 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 so just, I know they will agree to disagree, but I don't think the hurlers are in Offaly. They're not, not good enough to compete. Uh, that's my opinion. Yeah, it's a, it's a difficult one because obviously, like on Owen's point, that the club hurling in Offaly, the Offaly County Champions would be evenly on a par with the Leash County Champions and the top three or four would be similar. So I do I do take that point. Before we get into part two and talk about the matches, um, Owen, a little birdie tells me um, you bought a car off Damien in 2010. The question I have for you is, what the hell is the hurler of the year in 2008 doing buying a car? Surely there was there was a car with the garage there. Maybe, why didn't you go down there and try and get it for nothing and have Al Hayes Motors on the front, on the front door of the car? Well, Wooly, that's what I did try to do, but Jamie <laughs> talked me into buying it. Wooly, <laughs> he, he, he got he got her the year discount. <laughs> well, see, see now, listen, Tony Kelly doesn't have to buy his car off uh, Damien Hayes, I'd be sure. No. Yeah, I went, I went down with the intention of getting it for nothing, and my wife came with me at the time, and, and she says, I thought you were getting this for nothing, and now we ended up spending 25 grand on it. <laughs> Well, listen, he's a good salesman. My little sister bought a car off him as well, so we'll put this down to Damien. Wally, Wally, it was a lucky car. He won lots of medals with it. (laughs) (laughs) All right, we'll come back and we'll talk about the matches. A lot of people do say, what do you love about hunting? Uh, is Is it the fresh air? 
Isn't the great outdoors? Isn't the trail? No. I just love killing things. Right? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> All right, so Limerick, 25 points, Waterford, 21 points. Surprising result, really, for people who might have thought Limerick might have pulled away um, here, Owen. This, like, I mean, it was almost like, it was like league hurling, really, wasn't it, Owen? It was full of rooks and full of rooting and kind of, I don't know, it just reminded me of a league game back in March. Yeah, it did, and I think the, the kind of weather that was in it and the lights going on then as well kind of sent you, sent you back to March as well in a league game. But I, I think it started... The the intensity of the game started as a, as if it was a league game, you know, no kind of atmosphere or anything going, and it, it was only kind of after half time it really got going. But like Limerick will be delighted this morning; they didn't play well at all yesterday. I think and just really ground out the win. But like Waterford really surprised me yesterday. I thought Limerick would win that easily, but like Waterford, you could see they were really really up for the game, and I think Liam Cal has done a, a very very good job with Waterford you know it's his, it's his first year there um, he's built a, he's built a nice young athletic team um, with a couple of experienced lads there but I think the big the, the burning question on everyone's lips is Austin Gleeson I think like you know he got three or four great points yesterday but was taken off at about 10 minutes to go he's just not the same hurler he was a couple of years ago and I think there's there has been a lot of pressure put on him over the last number of years to kind of you know, to drag war for true games and things like that. And the hurler of the year, he spoke about the, the pressure he felt with the hurler of the year tag. And, but I think they need to find, uh, you know, a settled position for him and where's his best position and just leave him there, let him work into games and get, get a bit of confidence into him. Because I think if they, can, if they can get him hurling the way he can hurl, Waterford will be a serious team. I think I think just just on that point, Owen, is that like Waterford came back into it well and got it back to a draw, but they're a little bit lightweight up front, aren't they? You, you couldn't really see them pushing on, and Limerick dominated the last quarter. You know, in defence, they've a lot of little small forwards. They're missing. You know, they need Shane Bennett back. They need Parik O'Mahony back. You know, and then it might free up Austin Gleeson a little bit. You know, if they had, I know Stephen Bennett played very well, but I just don't. I I can see Austin Gleeson just not having the quality around him. Would that be an argument? Yeah, it could be, but on the other side of that one is they're inexperienced as well. If you go through their forward line, they're very, very inexperienced. Um, like Desi Hutchinson is only back from England's you know, first championship season. Um, Jack Prendergast is it in the corner, first yeah. championship season. Um, the two wing forwards, first championship season, and you have uh, Stephen Bennett in as well. So like Stephen Bennett is relatively young as well. I know he has a couple of seasons behind him, but he, he's a relatively young young man and uh, and then obviously they have Austin Leeson there as well so if you could get the likes of Parag Manley back who has who has been there done it you know wore the t-shirt and you know has lots of experience there I think I think they do have the firepower I, I just think it's going to take time um, as I said they're inexperienced they'll they'll gain a huge amount from yesterday um, from yesterday's defeat and I think that there'll be a serious outfit going forward if they can if they can learn from from yesterday relatively quickly um, they're going to be a serious team in a couple of years Yeah they're a good team aren't they Waterford Damien like I mean you know Conor Prunty did, had a great battle with Galan like I mean Callum Lyons did did well Tyke de Burke we know how good he is did, did, did Callum Lyons and Kevin Moore follow their men and Tyke de Burke dropped off his man is that kind of how they did it because we know this whole debate of what do you do with the Limerick half forward line 
Yeah, so I would first, once again, I'd say I think Liam Cal is doing a great job down there. I, I would have been the same there as Owen. I would have thought that Limerick would have would have um, tore t- strips into them, you know. But uh, Watford, geez, they really, really imp- impressed me now. So just saying, maybe it's a bit of a kick up the backside that Limerick needed. Last year, they didn't play well against Kilkenny and next thing they were out of the championship. Yesterday, they didn't play as well as they would have liked. And Watford gave them absolutely lots of it. And even at the very end of the game, Watford got a hand pass intercepted so they did and if that ball went inside they could have got a goal so it, but Watford really really hurled well and as you said what happens is the wing backs yeah more and, and the boys they man marked their wing forwards so they did and uh, the centre back what's his name again um, like the Barkin. yeah he, he falls back kind of so when the midfielders kind of picks up the centre forward they're kind of playing as I can see uh, Watford they're playing kind of with five forwards and their centre forward drops out into kind of the midfield role. So he does, and the Borker goes back then as a sweeper. And like he he's been playing that role for so long now, he could do it in his sleep. And he's absolutely playing towering stuff. Oh, geez, he's, like this guy's after coming off a crucial injury. Like so, you can only imagine the amount of effort and hours in the gym that he's done. But he's been he's been playing absolutely brilliant stuff. But as well as you were saying there about Austin Gleeson, um, like he's a great hurler. No one is, is denying that, but I often wonder, right, and this could be a di- just a different argument, I find that an awful amount of the modern players, and Owen, you might agree with me on this, that they're more, there's more pressure being put on them because they're getting all these little sponsorship deals, and there's more pressure being put on them with advertising T-shirts and food groups and lean game dinners on the go on Instagram <laughs> and Facebook that they're not concentrating enough on their game or hurling. And sometimes I think there's a, a lot of side issues going on. And often I just see like Austin, he's always advertising stuff. Maybe if he just concentrated more on his game of hurling, along with many other players in the country, that a lot of time is affecting their game. It's a good point, yeah. It's a good point. I, I, never, really, I never really thought about it. But now that you say it, you know, you always see Austin Gleeson. Actually, it was only last night. I was flicking through Instagram again. I seen something else he was... He was um, a new brand ambassador. Of, I can't think of what it was now, but I just said to myself, "Cheers!" Like, like the only brand ambassador, the, the, only, the, the only brand ambassador I was was for Al Hayes. That was the only that was the only perk that I was getting when I was hurling. That I had a car going training, but it's like every hurler in the country, and and it's affecting their games. I don't care what you say, Wooly, and it's happening with footballers. Like their their number one priority goal is to perform for their county to the best that they're able to okay let's get the couple of perks that they're able to get but jeez there's so much and if you take on a, to be an ambassador of something like you're going into side issues that might be annoying you the night before a match and getting a text message from the, whoever the marketing person said when you make sure to put this up will you put this up you put this up on your instagram page and i think some of the players out there need to concentrate more on their game of hurling it's happened with a couple of the car colors as well a lot of the dublin footballers all these sideshows and I think if lads concentrate on their hurling more, they get, they get a lot more out of it. Yeah, yeah maybe, I'm, maybe. I'm, I'm all for the, the sponsorship and brand ambassadors as well, Willie, but businesses now, it, it's not like years ago, say, if you got a car, you just drive the car around and, you know, it had the name on the side of it. Businesses want you to do stuff for them. You know, as Damien said, they want you to put up stuff on Instagram. They want you to do question and answers things. You know, they want their, they want their, their two-pence work for for giving you the car now and they're dragging you here, there and everywhere. And like David said, that can be a distraction. 
Yeah, maybe it is now because it, well, look, I mean, it, it doesn't seem to affect Tony Kelly and a couple more. Um, we'll mention them in part two. I want to talk about. I want to go to a more boring topic topic on the Limerick puckouts because Damien Waterford, or I'll throw this one to you, one Waterford. Uh, uh, they conceded a lot of the kick or the puckouts, and like I mean, is that the right thing to do with Limerick instead of pushing up and letting Quay go wherever he wants? Give it to the cornerback and almost back off him and go right. You're going to have to give it to someone sometime. We're backing off you. The pitch is getting smaller and smaller. Your options are getting less and less. Instead, if you go push right up on him, he'll just hand pass it over your head and take a one two. Yeah, I I think you're right, Woody. I I don't think and there was lots of the puckouts went to Kyle Hayes and Dermot Burns yesterday as well and. If you give it to the wing backs, um, they're looking for Galan. They're looking for a run from Galan, either left or right, and more often than not, you know they get they get it into him, and then you're then you're in danger. I think I think the only the only way to play Limerick is the way we the way we played Cork in 2006 is back off and let the cornerbacks have it and don't don't run at them. Let them come up the field and make them make a decision then. Um, yeah. I, I think if you. If you give the, the their wing backs and midfielders a bit of space to Aaron Galan, you're asking for trouble straight away. So that's it, Damien. What you end up what you end up doing is like the cornerback is coming out with the ball. He wants you to commit to him yeah. so that it makes his decision a lot easier. Whereas if you're backing off and back him off him, now he's on the half back line, he's like, Oh shit, will I shoot? Or you know, there's no options available to me because the pitch is much smaller. Yeah, so he's, when he's getting a nosebleed, Woolly, when the car back comes out that <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. So when they get the ball, when they get the ball, the cornerback, they're coming out towards it. Usually what happens is the the, the corner forward goes to, towards them. So the cornerback will break the challenge. No matter what, he will break it. So now what all the new modern trainers are telling them to, when your man is coming towards him, you kind of sidestep backwards. So, just, so next thing he tries to go out around you and when he tries to go out around you solo and then you're able to come in with the flick of the hand or the flick of the hurley and put him under pressure and sometimes it gets broken down or you're putting them under pressure because the wing back could come towards you and the wing forward so next thing you could be two on two so it's it's definitely easier to reverse back and let, make, let him make the runs because he's expecting you to come towards him to break the challenge so you're, you're just putting the corner back on the spot and to see what way? What will he do? So you're, it's it's putting more pressure on them, and often then if the cornerback gets a, a rush of blood to the head, he'll drive it long, and that's exactly what the, a lot of teams want. They want the ball in the air, where it's a where it's a, a competitive battle in the air, where you'll always back your own half back line to win that ball in the air or to break it. Yeah, it's it's almost like trying to discuss here on we do it on the show about how do you counteract Limerick and like I mean you know chasing around after them all doesn't really work they're just they're playing it around you like it's a piggy in the middle type situation so like I mean we know there's, there's very very few falls to Limerick's game that that could be a chink in the armor that Waterford showed yesterday. Yeah, I think it is, and I think the more I look at Limerick, the more I think you're, you're at nothing trying to physically match up to him or run around after him and try man mark him. You know. I, to a certain extent, I think, you know, they need to they need to be marked tight. But I think that could be it. If you clog up the, say, the middle third, your half back line and mid and midfield, clog that up with bodies, draw out your, your full forward line out of the half forward line, and let the cornerbacks take the take the ball, and let them run up the field and let them have to make a decision. You know, whether they want to try and break a tackle out around midfield or just lump the ball in long and you have bodies back there then. I think that's that's the only reason, that's the only way I, I see Limerick being beaten this year because, as I said, they didn't play well yesterday, um, but still dug out a win. 
And, you know, I, I think they won't be as bad again the next day. And that's frightening to say because the amount of players that came on yesterday and made an impact. Seamus Flanagan came on, first touch over the bar. Um, and Adrian Breen, first Adrian touch. Breen, yeah. Adrian Breen came on, first touch over the bar. You know, the, the, the strength and depth, in depth they have on the panel is frightening. And, you know, if one or two lads are not, are not firing, off they come and on the way to come and make an impact straight away. Yeah, you made a point, Damien, and you're right. Like, I mean, they, their first performance um, that they got caught in last year was Kilkenny. Like, they, they were there for the taking yesterday, weren't they? Like, they had seven wides in the second half. David Dempsey with a terrible easy miss. Dermot Burns with an easy miss. Keane Lynch with an easy miss. Almost in a row. And you got the feeling, Jesus, it's there for Waterford if they, if they want it. Yeah, absolutely. As I said, I was really impressed with Waterford. They absolutely got stuck into them. And they took on uh, Limerick. And Limerick didn't really like them taking them on, you know. But uh, the one thing about Limerick is, like, Limerick have great work rate and they've all lovely short pass and stick work and heads up hurling and all that. But sometimes they hit an awful amount of long-range wides. And I've said this before on the show, uh, Woolly, that the other thing is I don't, they, they don't go for goals. You know, they, they're happy enough tapping away points. And ta- like Aaron Galland scored a goal the last day, so he did, right? But they'd stay tapping points. And then I often think they don't use their inside full forward line enough. Like their inside full forward line yesterday, including the sub to come on, right? They got nine points from play. So they did uh, yesterday. And they don't, sometimes I feel they don't use the boys inside. Aaron Galland, like he's some target man, whether he's on the edge of the square or going out to the side, whether it's high, low or whatever. But they, the Warford boys got stuck into them. And as I said, they didn't have it all their own way. And it was touch and go there, especially in the last quarter to know who was going to win this game. And then, as, as Owen said, it was interesting in that in the last quarter, they took off the likes of Austin Gleeson. So they did in that game, when there was 15 minutes to go, could they have thrown him in full forward just to see maybe would he win a high ball or anything like that? But uh, Limerick didn't play well. They won the Munster Championship. Well, the one thing about this this squad of players, they love winning competitions and that's their second competition to win now in the space of three weeks. So it is, and now they're on course to to win the All-Ireland. I, I think they're the, the team to beat and I think they got to kick up the backside yesterday because they didn't play as well as they would like, but they still won. Yeah, they well, played 11 games so far 2019 on one All-Eleven. Yeah, look, there's no, there's no question. I went up last year up to the All-Ireland semi-final and I couldn't see Limerick or Kilkenny beating Limerick. And they were totally off that day. But Kenny, you know, just got stuck into them as well. But just going back to yesterday, Woolly, with about five minutes to go, there was about two or three points in it. Uh, Limerick were ahead by two or three points. And Waterford started trying to create goals and running, yeah. running at Limerick and came out came out of the attacks with, with no score. And there was a couple of them that were easy tap-overs and they just tried to create goals. And that comes from inexperience as well. You know, the inexperienced lads were kind of panicking. You know, we need to get a goal to get back into this. And they could have just kept tapping their pints and it could have been a different situation then, you know, come 70 minutes or 72 minutes um, if they had to take their pints and they were level going in. But Limerick always had that cushion of two or three pints and, you know, we're just able to keep it, keep my arms then. But like you say, if you could get the Parik Maddies back, you know, if, if he was throwing that ball yesterday, it would have been a pint, you know, he'd have kept tapping over his pints because he knew there would have been plenty of time left. But like, like I say, you know, Waterford will come on huge, a huge amount from from the, their, their display yesterday and the way they stood up to Limerick and got stuck into them. And like it's going to be, it's going to be a hell of a two hell of a quarter finals next week, and the semi finals are going to be even better. Yeah, they definitely will. You know, in a weird way, 
you'll come out of the Munster final going Limerick will be happy because they won Waterford will be very happy because they performed you know very well almost above expectations and in a weird one um, Damien Kilkenny come out of the Leinster final because they they won it obviously delighted mm. but Galway will come out of that game thinking geez we were the better team for most of that game there oh yeah well like there's no doubt about it uh, Limerick winning the Munster Championship they'll be delighted but they'll be disappointed in their performance Watford lost it and they'll be delighted with the way they performed and they got stuck into it and the blooded players and they'll gain confidence Kilkenny will be delighted because they won a match that they shouldn't have won and I'd say Brian Cody is, and the management team are nearly saying to themselves uh, how did they win it and what's their best team and Galway now are going into a quarter final against Tipperary and they're now saying to themselves will they win it will they not win it they were the best team in the Leinster final and they blew it so they're wondering now what, what way will them lads' heads be like this so it's a very tricky one Galway and Tipperary is going to be 50-50 any of them two teams could win It'll be, a lot of it will be down to weather conditions it's on a quarter past one correct me if I'm wrong in the Gaelic grounds on um, Saturday uh, the one advantage is that Limerick, uh, the Galway management won't have too far to travel, so they won't. Um, but uh, it, it'll be it's it's touch and go there, and as Owen said, it'll be two right good uh, quarterfinals. But it's going to be the big thing is how uh, Clare are going to get great confidence. But where is Galway's heads going to be? And I still think the Galway don't know what their best fifteen is. Do do you think that Owen that Galway don't know what their best fifteen is? Because like I mean, their, their defense was were were completely dominant. Um, in that game, maybe what to do with Paul Rickmanian might be up up for grabs. I think Galway do know their first fifteen or their best fifteen. Like I mean, you look Walter Walsh, Colin Fenley, and TJ were dominated for most of that game. Like I mean, there's an awful lot of positives for Galway coming out of that game. Absolutely, yeah. I I do think I think they they do they do know their best fifteen. I think Shane O'Neill and his management team will be you know disappointed they didn't win because obviously they should have won the game. They were the better team. Uh, but I think there's huge positive, positives to take out. And the other positive that they'll take out as well, Tipperary are not firing on all cylinders either. You know, this is an aging team. You take Parik Marr, Jamie Callan, Brendan Marr, you know, there's one or two more. There's a lot of miles on those lads' legs. And I think Parik Marr was taken off the week before. I think it was the first time he was ever taken off. Um, so, like, they're not firing on all cylinders. I think Galway will have a right cut off Tipperary. And I wouldn't be surprised if, if Galway over, uh, overcame Tipperary this Saturday. I think, you know, if they can get that perform- that level of performance out um, uh, next Saturday, they will take Tipperary. But the thing about it is they need to finish off games and they need to finish off teams when they have the chance. They had the chance to put Kenny away, missed a couple of easy chances when they were four or five points up and next thing Kenny get two goals and, and a couple of points and, and take them at the end. They need to get that rootless streak into it. But I think that has been a problem for Galway over the last number of years. You know, they win games by a pint or two that they should be winning by six or seven pints, and they lose games they should be winning. They just need to be yeah. they need to find that rootless streak and they need to find it quick for next Saturday because I think they have a huge chance of taking Tipperary. In in a in a weird way, Damien, you'll say, "Oh, Galway threw it away," and then they got hit with those sucker punches of goals and responded by to them by scoring three in a row. And that's very impressive. And teams that have no character don't do that. The problem is, is maybe in their own minds they said, "Oh, we're back in control here," and switched off again. Yeah, well, that's it. It looked that way. It looked like they were to an extent that they were afraid to push on. So they were, you know, and as you said, we we got hit by two sucker punches of two goals. So we did, um, and then we went on and we went ahead again, so we did. So um, 
it's, it's as I said, yeah, I, we, we threw away that match, the long and short of it, Colm, uh, and I think Kilkenny were surprised that they won it by it. But on the Galway team, like I, I would have Aidan Hart on my team. S- simple as that. You're asking, like, do Galway know their strongest 15? Aidan Hart would be on my team. David Burke would be on my team. Um, Jason Flynn would be on my team. So it was, there's a couple of players there. They're in and out the, the whole time. There's, there's a couple of uh, positioning areas that are up for grabs there on who's in what position. What So sometimes I do want, I think it'll be a different team that line out for Galway uh, the next day against Tipperary. And Tipperary still don't know their strongest 15 uh, either. And n- number two, I think it's very interesting that Bubbles isn't featuring at all. Now, I know I know he's he has summered well, we'll put it this, this term. <laughs> <laughs> like, like That's an understatement. They should need to be getting more over him, but... Galway are going to be disappointed, uh, Colin. Like we should have, we should have won that game and we didn't. And Galway are training too hard not to be winning stuff. That's basically my argument. But yeah, I hopefully they will take something from the game and the positives out of it. But geez, when it's disappointing when you lose finals that you should win. Yeah, definitely. Aiden Hart did very well on on Cody, who was causing problems in the first half. He he wrapped him up. But even, and Burke... but even Colin Loftus was having problems, right? He was ha- having problems in the corner. Like my opinion, like was just maybe a simple switch with the two cornerbacks. You know, just switch to one cornerback over to the other side, and, and it could have solved the whole thing. Maybe there would have been no need for the likes of Aiden Hart to come in at all. And then like the likes of Johnny Cohn, who had a wonderful first half. He was completely out of it in the second half. And then when David Burke came in, he injected two scores straight away. Like, I, I'm a big fan of David Burke. So I am. I, I think he's a great player. And I'm just very surprised he's not on the team at all. I think, yeah, I, no, think this is a, I think this is a tactic from the Galway management that um, they, they, they play their first 15 and then they want the experienced lads, the likes of David Burke, Jason Flynn, um, these, these types of lads to come in and see out the game for them. You know, lads that have been there, done it, um, you know, the Galway team are relatively inexperienced, you know, given the, you know, there's a couple of players that have been been around for a, for a couple of years. But I think this is a is, this is a tactic that they want. The likes of David Burke and Jason Flynn to come out and finish the games. Now, it didn't happen the way they would have wanted last Saturday, but I do think that that's what the, the Galway management are looking for. Oh, yeah. Jason Flynn's only a young lad. I know. I realise he's only a young lad, but he is... He's he's there a good few years and he's a lot of experience. Yeah, he's. I think he should be on the team as before Connor Cooney. I think he's a way better hurt than him. Between Connor, Connor, Connor Cooney has oh, yeah, struggled for form the last couple of years. Yeah. He seems to got off the bike. Like I remember watching Connor Cooney a couple of years ago and one touch over the barrier. Connor Cooney could score eight or nine points from play, and you know I don't think he scored the last. Time. No, he scored one point the last day. He had a great that great Leinster final against Wexford where he ran a muck. He was playing brilliant stuff yeah. that 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 season. I want to ask mention quickly before we move on here, um, Owen about Niall Brazil. He came on in the forwards. He plays uh he plays in the half back line for, for James Stevens, am I right? He he was lively when he came in. Yeah, he he's a very good hurler, Woolly. Um he would have started his career with with the club in the forwards. He was he was a minor at the time and he used to come on in the forwards and we and we played him in the forwards. Uh, last year in 2019 so, and he's, he's, we started playing him in the backs last year and he, he actually heard centre back on TJ Reid in the semi-final uh, or this year should I say yeah I was watching that too. yeah he's a he's a fantastic hurler but he's so versatile he's he's lots of pace and power and you know I, I, he's going to be a good one for the future he's still very very young he's only I think he's only 20 so um, but he, he's a brilliant brilliant hurler Right, okay, right. We'll come back here, lads, with performance of the weekend. 
Yeah, we I, we do. Yeah, we have a farm back home, so we have, we have a big farm back home, and we have we have uh, cattle and sheep, and we have a few donkeys as well. So um, we had a couple of filly donkeys. Uh, so I brought them down, and so we did actually sold them to. Uh, I think we had four donkeys on the day, and we sold them to a man from Wexford. So we did. So there's there's the piebald donkeys so there, and there's the, the <laughs> traditional donkey, and there's the, the Spanish donkey, and then there's the, the Spanish donkey. Yeah, you see you see them on the on the beaches never and so um, yeah you can actually one time one time the the donkey was useless right? but now some people have started to get back into them because you can use them for headage and uh, it's used towards your would say your bonuses your clients a donkey a donkey in Eden and a donkey in Eden Palace performance of the weekend I want to start off with Michael Breen he scored five points um, for Tipperary he destroyed Luke Mead um, a complete mismatch physically I suppose and geez I don't know one about Michael Breen he's the ultimate on his day type of player in that he when he's when he's on song he's very very hard to stop yeah he is as you said he's a, he's physically he's a he's a powerhouse and he has he has the pace to go with it as well and like Luke Mead the week before was unbelievable for Cork you know, he was probably man of the match for Cork the week before and totally out of the game. Michael Breen destroyed him five points from play uh, from midfield. That, like Five points from play, I, be, I I don't think he ever scored five points and I played in the forwards all my life. <laughs> um, but like when Michael Breen is on, is on song, he, he's a serious player. But don't forget, Willie, Michael Breen didn't start the game for Tipperary the week before. No. Um, so, you know... It, was he out of form? You know, was he carrying an injury, or is there something else amiss? But he came on the week before and had an impact, and obviously a huge impact um, last Saturday. And you know, you'd expect him to, you'd expect him to take his place the next day as well. But he's a serious hurler when, you know, when he does hit the heights, he hits. But he can't have his off day too. Well, that's the thing. For someone who can be so good, sometimes you see him not making the team, and you wonder, does he blow hot and cold, or kind of what's what's wrong? He hit uh, he hit Damien Cattle on the shoulder, uh, Damien there in the first half, and it was a routine enough shoulder. Like I mean, Liam Sheedy went absolutely mental on the sideline celebrating this shoulder, and I was like, Jesus, Liam, calm down now. I know he was probably trying to get his team going because Tipperary were dreadful in that first half, but it was a slight overreaction for what wasn't exact. It's yeah. not like it was a Paddy Marr on Joe Canning type of hit here. Yeah, but basically, by Liam doing that, he was trying to get, get a message out to his players that this is how you do it and to get stuck into Cork and, do you know, to, that he'd be speaking about the work rate and the hassling and everything. But um, it was a it was a good shoulder out over the sideline on Callan. So it was, but just on Mike, Michael Breen, uh, Woolley, Tipperary wouldn't have won the game only for Michael Breen. The last day, he was absolutely brilliant. Like you would have been expecting, maybe a different player to stand up, maybe John McGrath or someone, maybe to drive them across the line like this. But it was Michael Breen. Like his first point from play out along the side and beside Liam Sheedy was unbelievable off the, over his right shoulder. So it was so Michael Breen is it's he's a type of hot and cold player. He reminds me so much of Cahal Mannion. He he can score five yeah. points and he could score none, or he could score one, or he'll score none, or he'll get taken off. Whatever, but uh, only for Michael Breen, uh, Tip wouldn't have won the last day. It's as simple as that. He'd, he'd have he'd a powerful performance. 
Yeah, you mentioned Cork in that game, um, Owen. Like, I mean, holy shit! At halftime, there that game should be done and dusted. Really, they've done enough work. They've got the goal. Um, Tip weren't playing well. You have a gale force win behind you. There's no real excuse for not winning that match. No, but this this is the this is the Cork of the modern era, Woody. You know, they're just a little bit. They're just lacking something. They're a little bit soft, I think. You know, if you stand back and let Cork hurl for seventy minutes, you're you're in for a beating. But if you can you know, just get stuck into them, get in their faces and things like that. You know, you have a good chance of beating Cork. They're just missing that, I don't know, that maybe that Niall McCarthy kind of a hurler that just goes through the dogged work and, you know, sets up everything around them. They don't have anyone that does that. They're all lovely, skillful hurlers and they don't really have any dog in, in, in the in the team. And like, as you said, Tipperary were awful in that first half and the game should have been done and dusted at halftime. Cork should have been out of sight. But they weren't temporary, just even though they were playing bad, they were in their faces, they were, you know, hooking, blocking, working, just staying in the game till, till the momentum changed and they could get their, find their rhythm. But like, yeah. there's something missing in Cork over the last number of years, you know, I don't know how many years it is since they won in All-Ireland now, 15 or 16. Um, and like, it's proven on the field again last Saturday evening. It's just, it's, it's, it's just unexplainable, really, and I, I'm sure King, Kieran Kingston is sitting at home today, wondering, you know, what do we have to do with this team to, to, to kick on? Because this is the second stint that, and I'm sure he thought he'd he, he'd come in and and you know find that extra piece, but he he hasn't found it yet. Any any positives, Damien, for Cork? Do you think? Like, I mean, Harnady was outstanding when the game. Uh, needed it in the second half. It wasn't enough. They finally found a position where Tim O'Matney can consistently play well in at wing back. Um, any anything else? Like I could take Owen's point. Like I mean, again, maybe the the fighting spirit in the second half when they Jesus, I think there was only two winning at half time in the Gale Force win. Right. You should be winning it at that stage. Uh, they, they should have been pushing on. Uh, just a question. I know sometimes you might say maybe I should know this, but where was the Cadigans? Just are they injured or they're in, injured? Oh yeah, no, just I didn't see they weren't um both of them weren't listed as subs even for the last two games. But look at we all know the Cork are lovely stick hurlers and they're they're they've all the wrists and they've you know when when a move works out and they get a lovely score, it looks fantastic. But I think just Cork going forward, they're gonna to have to find one or two what you call rough, aggressive players that's gonna really win battles and, and dog them out like this, maybe find one or two players, especially up the middle, but they're just not they're just not winning games, and they should be because they have they have some lovely hurlers, and they need to get more aggressive for next year. I think that's their biggest that's their biggest challenge. I th- I think uh, Declan Dalton on at one stage ran in soccer style. I'd never seen that before in a game of hurling. Where what what there was a man inside him, and he tried. It's, I think he got a free in for a sliding tackle. It was almost like a bloody soccer match. But what's he meant to do in that situation? There was a man inside him. He's got no hurl in his hand. Does he put it in between his two legs and try to scoop it up so he can hand pass it inside? Like I've, I've never seen a lad continue on. I've seen it in Gaelic football, but in hurling, I don't often see a lad continue on soccer style with a slitter on the ground. Yeah, it's a hard one to call because, like, if you stop and try and flick it up between your legs, as lads say, will you just kick it into your man? But, like, yeah. I think he, he probably should have tried to kick it across to whoever was inside him. I think it could have been Shane Kingston inside him, maybe. But it was a difficult one for him because he was after losing his hurl affair about and he was kind of dribbling in with it. <laughs> and he was lucky enough, too, to get the free because I didn't see any really sliding tackling at all. It was. Um, it was it was kind of a soft enough free, but I think it was kind of an area 
just for a slap across the ankles, but you're going to get them if you're if you're trying to dribble a, a hurling ball in in towards the in towards the the, the large parallelogram. But um, it was a difficult one for him. But you know, I think just throw a boot at and see where it goes. Maybe is the is the best option. Yeah, maybe don't maybe don't dribble it anyways on the way in. Richie Hogan deserves a shout out, lads, for performance of the weekend. We have to mention Tony Kelly here, um, as this is freaky the the kind of performances he's putting in. Maybe the fact that he doesn't have lads around him to share the load just allows him to do it all on his own. One forty five in in three matches. Um, like his goal was very unlike Wexford. To imagine be able to be able to win a puck out. Give it to Tony Kelly and have nobody to stop him running straight down the middle, uh, Damien. I'd say he couldn't believe his luck for that one. Uh, probably the three points in the first half were just complete freaky points altogether. Oh, the three points in the first half were just unbelievable, right? And then he got a point in the second half where, if you remember, he, he got the ball in his own half back line and he soloed up the field, right? Took on his man, the centre back for Wexford, right? He stayed going, stayed going. You could see that he was after losing the centre back. Stayed going, stayed going, stayed going, and then off the hurl, swung over the bar like a free. It was just phenomenal. And then his goal, his goal was basically hand passed into. Him. And if you watch the goal again, when he caught the ball, when he got the goal, he brought his left hand into his chest, and he took four or five of the longest strides to get yeah. his, his running motion into full motion like this and then threw the ball out into the hurl and he put it into the bottom right-hand corner of the net with the bounce the bounce first into the back of the net. And that was a game over. Wexford were making maybe a slight bit of a, a comeback. But see, Kelly, Kelly, I suppose, he it was under a little bit of pressure. There was... Um, Peter Duggan was around, I suppose, there was a lot of talk about Peter Duggan, him, Peter Duggan got the freeze, it took a little bit of spotlight off him, so did, but like I've been saying it for years that Tony Kelly has been a phenomenal hurler, he's one of the best in the country, he's been, he's been showing unbelievable form with Ballier, so he did, and I suppose then Ballier went all the way to the club at Ireland, you remember uh, Willie Young went up and I'd done a show with you up in Crow Park, and that, that year I suppose he got a, maybe a burnout, as in just... He, he, he was on the go nearly for two years and then people were doubting him like this but the performances that he's putting in this year are just unbelievable and the scores he's getting he's the first man on the all-star team like he has his all-star nailed already with the performances he's been putting and as you said maybe because the, some of the other forwards aren't as up to the level that he requires and he says to himself what's the point in passing it I'll, I'll shoot myself and if it goes over it goes over if it doesn't sure maybe he might say to himself they to put it wide in us do you know, but yeah, the most of them are going over though. That's the thing. There's not too many of them going wide. Yeah, no, they're going. He's point. He's point in the very corner. We'll say almost on the in line. Like he swung it off. He struck off his left, and it curled. We'll say curling between the posts. I, like it's, they're just the sp- scores he's getting are just unbelievable. Owen, does Brian Lohan deserve credit for these performances? Because a lot of the time, I remember under Davy or even under the the joint managers. Um, he was playing centre half forward. He'd be back in his own half back line. Yeah. Like Lohan's kind of playing him from midfield on up, and sometimes in the full forward line, in the half forward line. Like Brian Lohan deserves some credit potentially for these performances. Yeah, he probably does a small bit, but as you see in the last day, Willie, he, he, as the point that Damien was was alluding to there, like he he picked that up in his own half back line and ran forward with it. So I think yeah. that's just Tony Kelly. I, I don't think probably Davy had had him back there or Brian Lohan has him back there. I think it's just. He's hunting for the ball. He just wants the ball, and wherever the ball is, he's going to be around. And as far as I, as far as I can see, uh, Owen, I think that, that Kelly has been told to kind of stay in the full forward line, right? And he was put into the full, but he's given the freedom of the pitch from yeah. 
from midfield up. I'd say they're kind of said to him, look, you can go anywhere you want from midfield up to the full four line. We don't want to see you back in the backs. And you can run off lad's shoulder and demand the ball to be released to you. But you can go anywhere you want. You have the freedom of the park, but don't go back in the backs. That's, I'd say, is what, uh, what Brian Lohan and Sean Tracy's message is to Tony Kelly. Well, whatever they're doing, it's working a treat because like, it's, it's unbelievable watching them play. And, you know, I, I suppose... It doesn't say a whole lot for for the Clare team that Tony Kelly is getting probably three quarters or three quarters of scores, um, but like it's it's freakish what he's doing. As Damien said, it's the first game in the All Star on the All Star team, and I'd say if they get to a semi final, he, he could be the hurler of the year as well. Very oh good. yeah, there's every, and oh, there's every possibility that they will get to the semi final. Yeah, I, I find well, it hard to see it. I, I like. Wexford were so bad the last day, you know, and I I understand Clare bit and the you know, ten or twelve points or whatever it was, but like I just can't see Clare going any further. It's just you know, if you stop Tony Kelly, like where do Clare get their scores from? And you can be guaranteed Watford are not going to Watford are not going to allow that happen uh, next week. Um they'll 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 have some man man marking Tony Kelly and just to dog him into the ground and not let him hurl because you you couldn't you couldn't put take notes of Tony Kelly last week and if Watford go into this weekend and don't have a plan for Tony Kelly they're in trouble. Yeah, we thought Wexford we thought that's what Wexford would do as well. Everyone has a plan for Tony until they have to try and uh, mark him. Here's a question for the two of you here now and take your own county colours off and you've got, you're picking a team and you've one position left at centre half forward. Do you go Joe Canning, Tony Kelly or TJ Reid, Damien? I'd go with Tony Kelly. Just, I, I, I've always said this. I'd play Joe Cannon full forward. <laughs> lads, lads can laugh. I, I would love to see Joe full forward, edge of the square. Oh, oh you're wriggling out with this now. Oh, you, no, you, I was, oh, I'd love to see and it's Tony Kelly centre forward. Owen. I, on current form, you'd have to say Tony Kelly. But imagine, imagine having Joe Canning on one wing, Tony Kelly in the centre, and TJ Reid in the other. <laughs> the ultimate, right? Oh. The ultimate. Well, no, like I'd go Garrod Hegarty as the wing and TJ in full forward, maybe, or Joe Full You could have that as well. <laughs> where was the player in Galan? Aaron Galan, Patrick Horgan, and all we need now is one more corner. One more. Yeah. I, I, I'm standing at 15. <laughs> no, no, I, I wouldn't have you a corner forward. I put in Whelan. Whelan will be ahead of you. Oh, yeah. That going shite then. I never buy the car off you again. <laughs> Come here, listen, lads. Sean Finn deserves one mention here before we finish up. He was brilliant on Desi Hutchinson, and we know how fast and selfless Desi is at running the lines and all that. Sean Finn, um, after an early point, pretty much put him in his pocket, and he had that brilliant interception on Callum Lyons' um, own at the end. And with Richie English back as well, back in the squad. Um, again, you know what I mean? Like, because maybe Prendergast gave Nash a couple of problems, but if you're thinking Nash is a potential weak link, now you have English back, who's what's he a double all star at this stage? Yeah, yeah, Sean Finn is, is a serious cornerback. Anybody that takes Sean Finn to the cleaners is going to earn it, let me tell you. But, um, as you said, Desi Hutchinson got a good point in the first half, but after that, he never got a sniff it really. Um, and even, even when um, Waterford were looking for a goal Sean Finn came in with a great interception there and just one or three just to steady things down again and take a couple of seconds but he's he's a savage cornerback and especially you know he, he's he's still hurling very very well even though the other two lads that 
he had on the full back line are not there anymore. You know, he's still standing yeah. up and I know Dan Morris is doing a good job of full back and at the moment, but like to lose to, to lose your full back and, and your other corner back that, that you've been playing with there for a number of years now, it can be it can be upsetting. It can be, you know, it can kind of upset lads for him, but it hasn't upset Sean Finn. He's, he's a serious horror back, and I wouldn't like him trying to take him on now, to be fair. Yeah, definitely. We forgot completely about Joe Canning, giving him a mention for performance at the weekend. And the sideline to uh, Joe Cooney at full stretch. Jesus Christ, that was unbelievable. We've seen him doing that before with David Burke. It's like he used to have a little kind of... Uh, I don't know, a little tactic between the two of them that David Burke would take off and Joe would be able to to pick him out. How hard, Damien, is that off a ball on the ground to be able to, like, I, I can imagine just getting that up off the ground and to be able to hit a moving target off a sideline um, like that. Like, I mean, it's incredible skill. That's incre- that would be incredibly hard. Just like if you if you picture just having a bow and arrow and you're trying to hit a, a moving object, so that was like that was just unbelievable. And the run the run from Joseph Cooney and the catch with his two legs off the ground and thrown over the bar like it was just it was a it was a lovely score, it really was. And Joe Joe had a super game the last day, and he got three points from play, two sidelines, and whatever he got from freeze like this. He, he he had a really 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 good game. So he was actually brilliant the last day. So he was in fairness to him. So he was. So um, it was just a pity. As I've said it more than once. It's just a pity we didn't win it. But he he had a, he had a super performance the last day. Yeah, that did, yeah, that didn't just happen in Crow Park, Wooly. That has been tried a number of times in Salt Hill. I'd say first, um, like that to to be able to hit a sideline like that. TJ Reid is very good at it as well. Uh, just nipping the ball into a lad's hand and maybe take it back or. Or, or the man hits it over the bar, but uh, to hit that moving target and Joseph Cooney, he wasn't jogging either; he was sprinting. Oh yeah, yeah. you know. So it, it was a fast moving target he had to hit. It was pinpoint accuracy. Yeah. But here, here's the thing on that though, um, Owen, is that I see the technique when they're going for a pint off the sideline and they get down under it. Now, but he was standing more upright when he did when he did that one. Yeah, I'd be looking. I'd be looking to hit the ball at all, Wooly. Leaving long, get it off the ground. I pull. I probably pull me green if I tried that now. But he was, yeah, as you said, he was standing upright. But like you often see, Joe when he's when he's um, getting ready for a sighting, he kind of get, gets a bit of a divot into the ground right behind the ball. So that that probably helps it as well. And he just had it at the right height for jo- Joseph Cooney to to take it on the run and slap it over the bar. It was, it was some pint now, in fairness. Yeah, it's almost like uh, it's almost like trying to hit a one iron, uh, Damien. Very, very difficult. Well, as you, as you, I, I, I know nothing about golf, so I can't comment on that. Absolutely nothing. <laughs> but what, if you just watch, watch Joe or watch any of the lads that are really good at taking the sidelines, Woolly, right? They what they do is they try put the ball up on a nice little tuft of grass, right? And they then try have the rim at the bottom. This is just right. And then what they try to do is you watch him the next time. He'll then get his hand and he'll flatten the grass underneath the tuft. So then when he's when he does sideline it and he gets in, he's getting absolutely underneath the ball and he's like just shaving the top of the grass so the ball will travel and he's hitting it with the grooves. It's 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 it, when when the next time the next match is on and someone is doing just watch the way the lads are able to get the the ball to go at a distance the way they're positioning the ball the where the rims of the ball is where they have it at the bottom and then they're flattening the grass to get under it it's it's just it's a very very important technique. By the, sound, right, by the sounds of things, Damien, you're not forgetting the lesson of Joe Canning above in Portland. <laughs> 
everything Joe knows, I taught him. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll leave it at we'll leave it at that one, Damien. Um, Tony Kelly definitely is the performance of the weekend. I don't think anyone is doubting that, and I think at this stage. Tony Kelly might have won performance of the weekend at least 20 times um, on this show. So it's getting a bit boring. And, and I, think, um, I think, Wooly, we should give Michael Breen an all mention for the Sylvie Lenan um, um, ginger tash. I thought it looked very impressive the weekend, so I did nicely trimmed. Right. Eye from play and a moustache as well. So Michael Breen definitely gets the, gets the mention too. Right, lads, we'll leave it there. Thanks very much. And we'll be back on Thursday. We'll preview the two All-Ireland quarterfinals. So we'll talk to you all then. Good luck. And when I started running, I suppose I didn't stop. And when I got the chance to go, I said I'd stay going. So I opened up. We were only the small little fish out there, so we are, and uh, we're trying hard to make it through. But it's hard to get the breaks when you're the smaller fish. Because I love this county so much, you know. And it's just I'm delighted that the lads, the lads did it for the people of Waterford today because, like, I, I'm heart, I'm heartbroken. <laughs> Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.